0: Good morning. I'd like to thank Reverend Garth Hansen, a chaplain in Alberta, Canada, for his helpful illustration this week as I've taken it in along with the prompting of the Holy Spirit to help me share what God has laid on my heart about our scripture today from the book of Isaiah. Hansen shares the following story. Some years ago, a high school youth group and church held a fundraising dinner, and they called it a hunger feast. Tickets were $20 each, and the proceeds were to go toward the fight against world hunger. As the 60 or 70 people arrived for the dinner, they were assigned seats at tables according to the color of their tickets. The blue table, seating five people, was served first. The people at the blue table received a piece of chicken, a cup of rice, peas, and a cup of tea. Now, some grumbling ensued about the limited menu from the inhabitants of the blue table. But little did they know, they were the lucky ones. The next two tables of about eight people each received a half cup of rice, a tablespoon of peas and a half cup of tea. Nevertheless, they were still counted among the lucky ones. You can see where this is going, right? The next entree was a teaspoon of rice, no peas, and a cup of water. Finally, at the last table, some received a quarter cup of water, and the remaining guests received nothing. Then several of the young people spoke about world hunger and how the evening's hunger feast represented the various degrees of hunger and poverty in the world. I can tell you the majority of the people were not happy diners. But a few got the point and supported the young people and their feast. One couple was very touched and Ended up contributing $100 to the project above the amount of tickets that they had already purchased. Another couple left the feast before it was over. And they left the church as well. The church council was tied up for three months discussing the ethics and method of the project. The youth group was commended for its enthusiasm and intent, but cautioned that the end does not justify the means. The youth director was called on the carpet and told by the council president it just wasn't right that some people didn't get anything to eat. He was one that happened to have gotten only water. And the youth director's response was, I agree, sir. And it also is not right that thousands of children will face tomorrow and the rest of their tomorrows until they die without anything to eat. Like the unpleasant surprise in this church event story, which underscores the lack of justice in the world, the scripture lesson from Isaiah today also presents an unpleasant surprise. The prophet Isaiah begins by singing a what we might call a love song concerning his beloved's vineyard, meaning God's vineyard. Now, everyone appreciates a love song, don't they? So I think Isaiah gained the attention of his listening audience when he began in this vein. The people who listened to Isaiah's words likely expected to hear of a ballad with a happy ending. However, they too were in for a big surprise. Isaiah speaks of how God, his beloved, did everything possible to set up a healthy, thriving vineyard. The soil was fertile and cultivated with care. The stones were removed ever so carefully. Only the finest quality vines were planted. A watchtower was built in the middle of the vineyard, and a wine vat was built in preparation for the harvesting and processing of the glorious grapes. So far, so good. This is a pleasant sound to the ears of the listener, and our heartstrings are touched by the nurturing care of the beloved. What a wonderful love song this prophet Isaiah is serenading us with. But wait, before you fall asleep with these tender words, remember to listen to what follows. Surprise, surprise, Isaiah's love song is transformed into a song of judgment and lament. Maybe we can gain the sense of such an unpleasant surprise by imagining a a gentle bedtime lullaby which is transformed into a condemning, deafening, death metal rock and roll song. In any case... The irony of the song comes to the forefront when Isaiah, speaking for God, asks the people of Jerusalem and Judah to, quote, judge between me and my vineyard, meaning between God and the people of Jerusalem and Judah. In an agonizing song of lament, God tells the people that there was nothing more God could do to guarantee the success of God's vineyard. God had done everything that could be done. Implied here in the words is the human freedom that God gives us. The beloved expects the best from the people. God expected the vineyard to yield grapes but instead it yielded wild grapes. So the the consequences of freedom being misused or abused is that a well-cared-for vineyard becomes neglected and turns into a dried-out wasteland of briars and thorns. In Isaiah, this vineyard represents God's chosen people, God expected and hoped that the people would ensure that there was justice for everyone in the nation. Instead of justice in Isaiah's context, the wealthy class of politicians and business people were killing society's weakest and most vulnerable citizens. Blood was on the hands of the rich and powerful members of Isaiah's society. The leadership of the land, since their wealth, was gained by cheating and robbing society's poorest class. Sound familiar? God expected and hoped for righteousness from the people. Instead, God heard a cry from the poor and oppressed. God expected the people to look after the poor and oppressed. After all those who were now blessed with wealth and the good life, had they and their ancestors not themselves cried out to God when they were poor and oppressed as slaves in Egypt? Had God not heard their cries and delivered them from their Egyptian slavery? Why now had they abused their freedom and become selfish and greedy? They, with their blood money and ill-gotten riches, had become no better than their previous enemy oppressors, the Egyptians. In our day and age, has anything really changed? We hear stories of injustice, and ill-gotten gain today as well. For some of us, we experience them firsthand, And we all know that our planet is moaning and groaning due to the selfishness and greed of a small portion of the world's population. The story that we began with with the youth group's Hunger Feast is a parable of what actually is happening with the unequal distribution of the world's resources today. Two-thirds of the world's population is deprived of even what we would call the basic necessities of life. Do we hear their cries of suffering? Closer to home, many here have been hit hard by the downturn in the in the economy due to the pandemic. Yet, we still live in a world where we pay healthcare CEOs astronomical salaries and benefits, while others struggle to come up with a copay or are outright denied care due to lack of insurance or refusal to cover necessary treatments with insurance. A pressing question in the forefront today is this. Are we really a caring society? Is there really evidence that we are a caring society? In answering the question, I do not think it's helpful to employ the easy labels, namely socialism versus free enterprise. In a caring society, it is broader, a broader essence of the social contract. It is that broader essence of the social contract that hopes to guarantee a right to adequate food, shelter, clothing, education, and health care. To quote a contemporary Isaiah Nobel Peace Prize laureate and Holocaust survivor, Eli Weasel, who passed away just a few years ago, Weasel said, We must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor never the tormented. Sometimes we must interfere." Quote. We know that human rights are being violated on every continent. More people are oppressed than free this day. How can we not be sensitive to their plight? Suffering present anywhere concerns people everywhere. There is so much to be done. There is so much that can be done. And you just might be asking, what do you mean by oppressed? Let's just start with a short list in our country. People of color, black and brown-skinned people are not treated equally for jobs, purchasing homes, being arrested, wages, or even the right to be walking or driving down public streets. Immigrants and other faith traditions, then Christian, are treated with disrespect and fear. Women do not share equality in pay, jobs, or the right to choose what happens in their bodies. LGBT people can be openly fired and denied access to housing, hospital care, goods and services because of their identity. I myself was harassed and refused service a few years back On all places at the DMV because I made the mistake of saying let me get my missing paperwork from my wife sitting over there in the chair to give you so that you have all the documents you need everything changed in that moment even Something as minor as getting your driver's license brings out oppression from a place of bigotry and, that morning, outright hatred. Interracial couples are continually harassed and shown racism is, yes, still alive and well. A perfect example is the most recent story in Florida where a couple was selling their home interracial couple, and the black woman's appraisal was 40% lower than her white husband's second appraisal. And hers was given with the cautionary recommendation beforehand to remove all signs of blackness in their home. Photos, books, anything that might imply that there was a black family living there. She was also told that it would be best if she was not present when showing the home. As long as one dissident is in prison our freedom will still not be true. As long as one child is hungry, our lives will carry shame. Remember that what all these victims need, above all, is to know that they are not alone. That we are not forgetting them or dismissing them that when their voices are stifled we will lend them ours. That while their freedom depends on ours, the quality of our freedom depends on theirs. As the body of Christ as the branches that are connected to the Christ vine, may we be strengthened and know that that vine equips us to new and renewed life when we stay connected to it. May God's gifts of grace mobilize us to bear fruit by caring for the lost, the least, and the last among us and in every land. May we each find a way to lift up our voices and demand compassion and freedom and justice For each and everyone this day. Will you pray with me? God of grace, help us to feed the hungry, to care for the sick, to free those who are chained by the injustice in our world. Because we want the world to know your love shining through our care and action. Remind us that when we offer these things to the least of these, that it is to you. We pray this in the spirit of Christ. May it be so. Amen.